Hello and welcome everybody to episode 9 of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I am Sheila Amato and you can find me on Twitter at Forever Fanpod. And I am Kimberly Amato at Kimberly Amato on Twitter. We are your hosts and as you heard we have a very very special guest for this episode. Yes, on Twitter and during the last bonus episode, I gave you a teeny, itty, bitty, slightly massive, overwhelmingly <laughs> easy hint uh, about who would be on our show today. Because I gave you all I got to give. I know that ain't no way to live. I don't really want to be sued. Really? I don't really want to be sued. All right, fine. I apologize for anybody who had just had to listen to my horrible singing. You were fine. <clears throat> anyway, so actually, Kevin Batchelder helped launch Forever Fangirls on Twitter and was very generous with his time. So I'm very excited we got to interview him and got to know the man behind the mystery. Yes, he has... Uh He's really been part of the reason why Forever Fangirls actually exists. So thank you for that. But yeah. just as a quick side note, we did record this before the Winona Earp season four premiere date was announced. So we did touch on it, but we didn't go too in depth about it. Right. So anyway, without further ado, here is our interview with Kevin Batchelder. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am good. Thank you very much. I'm so glad I could join you folks. It's been so exciting seeing your podcasting journey get off the ground. It's It's been very, I'm telling you, without your, your input, I'd be like going crazy. But so I have to start off with something kind of outside the realm of what we're going to be discussing the rest of the podcast. I am, you know, a New Yorker and I'm a born and raised Met fan. And you're kind of, you know, south of Boston. And there was this whole 86 thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh how do you much feel as about i try that? to block it out yeah i can't block that out can I? um i yeah, mean that, no, that's I've, the only world series in my lifetime i know you've got like several right now well we, yes i've been lucky the last 20 but up till then um yeah no i grew up lifelong red sox fan um and actually interesting tidbit on that 86 uh team and situation i at that time i was in my mid-20s yes i'm that old um and myself and a good friend were roommates, and we were both, you know, doing well in our careers. And in the spring of 86, we were kind of sitting around the apartment looking through the Sunday paper, and there was an ad in there, get Red Sox tickets, all different packages. And, you know, through 1985, the Red Sox were nothing but mediocre at best. But they had this new thing called the weekend package, where you could get season tickets to nothing but the Saturday and Sunday games. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, hey, we can get out to Fenway occasionally to watch a game. So he and I actually got Red Sox season tickets, pretty inexpensive, and outstanding box seats, just a couple of rows wow. from the field oh, in wow. the spring of 86. So we were there for a good part of that magical season that got us to the World Series and got to go to the I mean, American League Championship Series and all those home World Series games. They didn't turn out quite the way we wanted, but <laughs> it was pretty exciting getting to be a World Series and all. 
Have you been able to see any of the recent ones? Um, as I've gotten older, I really enjoy the beautiful TV and nice couch I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I haven't been out to Fenway except for an occasional game here or there, but, uh, you know, still a lifelong fan. Yeah, Sheila and I actually got to Fenway because I'm a huge baseball fan, so I want to hit all the stadiums. Mm-hmm. So we went to Fenway. In 2004? 2004, the oh. ALCS, where they lost, I think, 19-8. to eight. Oh, yes, yes, the infamous series with the Yankees. Yes. Yeah, they, they were very, let me tell you, fans were very unhappy by my New York license plates. <laughs> Even though we were decked out in Boston Red Sox gear. We were in camouflage. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, this is... Still, whatever it was, 86 years since our yeah. first. So, yeah, fans. Yeah. Especially be okay. down 3 0 to the Yankees at that point. It was like, you know, <sighs> yeah, here we go again. Well, what was also um, interesting was in 2003, when the Red Sox lost in game seven of the ALCS to the Boone home run in the ninth inning. Aaron Bleepin mm-hmm. Boone. There you go. Um, my daughters at that point were starting to get just old enough to enjoy baseball. So as a parent, it's pretty rough when you're sitting on a couch cheering for a team and they think they're going to win and then to lose like that, you start to wonder whether you should have got your kids into this at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yes, by the time 2004 and 2007, you know, it's kind of like, phew, okay, I guess I'm not a bad parent. (laughs) I'm not ripping their heart out every season. (laughs) I still feel that way about the Mets. (laughs) You know, Beltran, 3-2, bat on the shoulder. I will never forget that. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Baseball, such a heartbreaking sport. Yes. And we don't even have baseball right now, but, you know. No, but we'll appreciate it when it finally comes back, won't we? Oh, definitely. Mm. So, so enough about baseball a little bit. Let's (laughs) talk about Saifa. No. So, um, so Kevin, people know you as the smooth, silky voice behind Tales of the Black Badge and tuning into Sci-Fi TV. So, when you don't have your podcasting cape on, who is the mild-mannered Kevin Batchelder? <laughs> well, I, uh, when, I, when I take the podcasting stuff out of my life, although it's been a big part of it for the last 15 years, um, I'm someone I work in IT. Uh, I love the challenge of working with computers and have... Um, going way back to when I first discovered them when I was in college, actually, in the uh, early 80s. Mm. So career-wise, that's something I've been involved in for my whole life. Um, And I have a lovely wife and two daughters and a granddaughter. So a lot of my time, and it's not podcasting and enjoying science fiction topics, is certainly spent with them and doing some some things there. Oh, that's cool. Have the kids, like, joined you in in your sci-fi Winona Earp? Nope. <laughs> much, much like my wife, I just not her thing at all. Uh, I will say that my youngest daughter um, came to Earp Expo in New Orleans last year. Um, so she binged the whole show that spring, figuring she was going to come to the convention, mainly to come because my wife also came. We spent some time in New Orleans, had a lot of fun there. So my younger daughter uh, did watch it and did enjoy it quite a bit. She actually stalked michael eklund to get a photo with him and, and oh, some wow. other stuff so nice That's cool so yeah she kind of watched it but i wouldn't say uh, any of the other family members really are big fans of of this stuff so have, have you always like i know you like winona Earp and and you know buffy and other shows but have you always just been like a sci-fi guy oh i have been going way back to the original um star wars movies oh. uh, when they came out certainly the original three the original three um, again, old enough to have seen those in the theater. Um, 
And actually, the second film um, in 1980 there was actually my first experience with fandom, believe it or not, kind of tie it around there. Um, you know, when the first movie came out in 77, I saw it like in a local theater, on a bunch of people there or whatever, because I was just a fan of science fiction. And as we all know, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't know about a lot of the stuff. But by the time the second film was coming out, it was so huge there by 1980. I'm like, I want to go see this um, in a big theater rather than the local one here on my suburb. Uh, mm-hmm. So I traveled in into Boston uh, to go see it at a big theater in downtown Boston. And it was my first time. And I, you know, there were hundreds of people in line. I, I had no idea wow. there were this many other people in the world, let alone just in my local area. <laughs> there were such big fans of it. So I got to see that second film, which is probably the best of the lot. Um, yes. With hundreds of other people. And that ability to see something and all be cheering and booing at the With same all time. all that energy. Yeah. That yeah. energy, you know, when I was still fairly young, that was a seminal moment. It really did cement, you know, the idea of interacting with other fans and even long before the Internet, how enjoyable that was. Yes, I remember seeing The Return of the Jedi in the theater with my family. We, my dad left school early. He was a teacher. And he walked out and said, oh, my kids need me. And he waited online for us. And then my mom picked us up from school saying there was an emergency. And we all <laughs> went to see The Return of the Jedi. And I just remember sitting on my mom's lap because there was, you know, I, I, I'm a big kid. I was 10, I believe, when that came out. And I sat on her lap and, and I'm like, yeah, um, I'm twice the size of my mother, but we, there's no place to sit. <laughs> and it was the first time I had experienced that crowded theater energy as well. And mm-hmm. I didn't understand what fandom was then. I just thought it was really awesome and everybody was into it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, so. no, that, that energy of fans. Um, and the movie theater was a great example. I mean, I might have gone to one or two very small conventions, too, back in my early 20s or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that and this is certainly for me, and I think maybe you folks and many other folks who are uh, podcasters or convention attendees, that, that rush of being able to feel that energy when you have a shared passion, whatever it might yes. be, science fiction, something else, uh, doesn't matter, reading, whatever it might be, obviously you know as well too, Kimmy. I mean, that, that ability to, to do that and, and to walk into a room with someone that you can instantly become friends with uh, because of your shared interests is just so special. Uh, it's what makes a lot of the efforts that go in sometimes to doing, whether it's our podcast or fandom things or even other general things. I've been a long-time attendee of Dragon Con, speaking on panels there. And that chance to find other fans, have a great conversation about something, even if you barely know them, uh, yeah. to me, is just really special. So one thing I loved about Xena conventions, just walking around and talking to anybody and everybody, you felt like you belong. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I love that part of it. Yeah, for so, me, that's one of the big reasons why I keep going back to DragonCon and have now every year since 2005. Um, I still remember that very first time I went there and didn't really know anyone. But I'd heard for many years about this big science fiction convention, and that it was cool and all. And, uh, you know, it was just a lot to take in. Um, but that feeling of, of really that feeling of family, even though we weren't all fans of the same thing. Mm-hmm. We were fans of something, and folks just respected that, and it was right. very open-minded on whatever the topic might be, and that that was just, like I said, it, it was very addicting to feel that and want to have the more of that. So when when you do, you know, you mentioned that you're you uh, moderated p- 
panels at conventions and or going to conventions. And I've seen actually some videos of you moderating some of the ERP panels at conventions. What is your favorite moment in doing those interviews? Oh, man. Um, you're making it like a, making a parent pick their favorite child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and very honestly, this can change by the day. Um, okay. just in terms of where the mood is, cause there've been so many special moments. Um, probably the one that'll jump to the head of the list will be the Earp sister panel that I did at Earp Expo last year, mm. being the huge Earp sister fan that I am. Um, certainly moderating any of the one owner cast panels. I think I've been lucky enough to have done like eight or nine of them by this point. Mm-hmm. All of them are special in their own way, but I've always wanted to have a discussion with just Mel and Dom about the mm. sisters and all that. So when Herp Expo was able to uh, have them both as guests and set up their schedule to do that and then offer that to me, God, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was hyperventilating for weeks, <laughs> weeks leading up to that. It was so important to me, but also I was so afraid I was just going to drop into a puddle <laughs> <laughs> talking to them about it. So that one um, really was something that uh, is going to always hold a very special place. And the two of them were just so amazing. We had such a such a conversation about many topics. And Mel got to get me good because I lost my place at one point first rule of moderating never not know what your next question is and <laughs> right i got a little lost and boy did she jump in and mel was mel she had a great time yeah i i <laughs> happened to actually you know as i was trying to prepare for this interview i was looking at those videos and i happened to see that last night and i was cracking up <laughs> and you know i had my noise canceling headset so i didn't know how loud i was i'm like oh she was loud <laughs> But it was funny. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. And and Mel is so wonderful because if you've seen enough panels, and I think even earlier today on Twitter, someone shared a clip of a DragonCon one where she was, again, right on point. Uh, not at mm-hmm. my expense, but a typical Mel. But, yeah, when <laughs> she when she gets an opportunity to have some fun, she, it doesn't matter who's there. She is going to yeah. take it. Um, and yeah. you have to be ready for that if you're going to moderate a panel with Mel or any any ERP panel. But, yeah, she, she grabbed it and had the whole crowd – cracking up and i was again then trying to get my bearings again yeah. to continue you, going forward you, you turned like bright red that was great oh yeah, actually. yeah. Yep. <laughs> no doubt about it no doubt about it and i also okay. have to give a kind of a little thank you too because again i was so excited for that panel and again i've done many of them not just dirt but other ones so i've gotten mm-hmm. very comfortable being on a stage and with some other folks and doing it but that was probably also the one i was most nervous about because it meant so much to me mm-hmm. um and kudos to my Tales of Black Badge co-host and good friend Bonnie, um, she knew, she could tell from our conversations, whether face-to-face at the con or leading up, how nervous I was. So she literally spent like the whole panel backstage just to be ready in case I lost it. Oh, that's <laughs> um, awesome. From the emotion of the moment, she was just like, just in case, I'm going to be right here just to step away in case anything happens. I mean, it, I don't think I, I was that close to doing that. But the fact that she knew how much it meant to me and was willing to do that was a great example of you know, just the way uh, we've developed such a great friendship over the years. That's awesome. That is. I mean, it's also a great example of just like the, the Erper fandom, how everybody seems to always have each other's backs, you know? Yeah, it's been, you know, and I, and I start to lose words for it now after four plus years. It's just been so amazing to meet so many um, just wonderful people, so many positive people, so many kind people. 
whether it's been face-to-face the last couple of years at cons, but before that, we were all just on Twitter. That was it. That was our interactions. You know, Facebook maybe a little. So getting a chance to interact with those folks and see them um, just get into the show as much as they did and, and create such mm-hmm. a, a wonderful atmosphere and supporting group, um, so kind and willing to do so much for each other. It's just, uh, you know, it's tough to find the words because it's pretty amazing. So to, to get a front row seat to that for the good part of it, you know, I am one lucky guy. There's no doubt about that. Well, you know, one thing I also adore about your podcast is that you don't just cover the episodes. You cover a lot of other things, including, like Sheila mentioned, interviews. And I know you had one with Dominique with mental health bringing, you know, brought up. And I know that you've covered uh, with Kat other things like that. Was there any specific moment in any of those interviews that stuck out to you and, and sticks with you? Oh, wow. Here we go with the favorite child again. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, a- as you said, they've they've all been a ton of fun because these cast members are just so giving of their time. And Bonnie and I have been very lucky to have developed a, a great friendship with them. So they, they get comfortable and are willing to share some of these amazing things that you normally don't hear mm-hmm, in, yeah. in celebrity interviews. Um, many of us who've been listening to them for the years, again, you get... As a fan podcaster, if you can get 15 minutes with a star of a show or, or an actor on it, you know, you're over the moon. That's wonderful. Um, but to get as much time every time with these folks uh, is just amazing. And they're so willing to open up. I mean, I, I've mentioned it before, but I still remember the very first interview we did with Dom back in season one. Um, always, you know, before we actually start recording, we'll you know make sure someone is comfortable and ready and i always like to respect their time so we'll always ask okay we don't want to overstay our welcome you know is there a time you want to be done by or you know a length you want to go and dom's like nope i've got my tea i'm here for the whole evening as long as you need (laughs) um and so willing to be open so that was a great start to realizing you know what was to come but yeah that season three one where she was just so willing to i mean i don't know i think that was close to a two-hour interview Mm-hmm. and um, what was maybe a third of it or less had anything to do with the show. <laughs> the rest was really her talking about some of these things around mental health or life and approaches to things. We had no idea that's where it was going to go. And, and as you've heard, if you've heard Dom in any of his interviews, she just loves to every now and then go, I'm just you know babbling on or just going on. And Bonnie <laughs> and I are just like, just go, go, go. Just talk as long as you want. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and to have her go in that direction, that was just such an amazing thing. That one was really, really special because we knew mm-hmm. that it was going to mean so much to so many people because of her mm-hmm. honesty and, and her openness about her challenges and what she's faced uh, and so forth. And, you know, the interesting thing on that, too, from a podcasting point of view, uh, you folks will appreciate this. Uh, many listeners might. We normally, when we do our interviews, set them up so that we have multiple recording devices or services in place. You know, mm-hmm. life happens, folks. Things are going to fail. Um, and you never want to have that happen when you've got, you know, an actor from a show. But the way it worked out that time with Dom, we were only able to set up just the one device that I normally use, digital recorder. So I got to admit, when that one's going on and going into these magical places, I'm like staring at my digital recorder going, if you ever <laughs> pick this at the time to fail now, I will literally throw oh it up. Oh, my gosh. Um so it was funny, and I think Bonnie and I have mentioned this in some of our podcasts, because after that ended, 
she and I normally then chat and record any intros or talk about what we need to do. And I had to tell her, Bonnie, hold on. Cause I literally had to take the recorder, plug it in to my computer, copy the file onto the computer, upload the file to like three file sharing services. I wanted multiple copies of this thing just in case. Oh my goodness. Um, so there was a little bit of that. We have this magical moment. Oh my goodness. This also is the time that if there was ever a failure point, I would probably die. <laughs> oh, that, that would have, yeah. that was an amazing interview. So I think my heart would have been like, no, Yeah. it's like so. that really weird star Wars going back to star Wars. <laughs> Were you screaming no? Yes. So, no, that was... So, but that event, I mean, we knew when we went to release that. Just really, really special. It, it was also in a similar way with Dom a year or so earlier. Um, at San Diego Comic-Con, the IDW Entertainment put on a special event, like a, a lunchtime for some of the ARPers or some folks who had uh, contributed towards some uh, funding stuff or what have you. And, and I was there chatting with Dom and I was, it was nice because I got a chance to talk to her a little bit about the impact of her interviews. This is even mm -hmm. before the season three one. Um, and, and she was just so gracious when I was telling her, you know, again, we release our episodes and they have a certain number of downloads, you know, that were enjoyed by thousands of fans, but we get Dom or Kat on and those numbers just go through the roof. So, I mm -hmm. mean, even she was a little, surprised with the number of fans around the world that are enjoying that so our ability to be able to help bring the show to folks through the interviews with the cast again bonnie and i are just lucky to be, kind of be there and, and be a part of it but these folks are just so amazing and so willing to share of themselves it's helped to make the experience so much richer for all the fans right yeah i have to admit one of my favorite moments was uh the vip with uh everybody at akon and Cat was every person was just so open and lovely and giving of their time and and Dom was like bouncing around asking everybody questions. Mel was making jokes <laughs> with everybody, and Greg was discussing uh, cereal with all of us. <laughs> yes, as he and will, <laughs> as he will. And we've decided that we all like, at the at the table. We decided he needed like fifteen boxes of Captain Crunch like at every table <laughs> just so he could have something to snack on while he was there. Yeah, that was what would work well for him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny talking about those convention things, too, because one thing, and I think I've mentioned this maybe on our podcast, but if I haven't, um, the very first San Diego Comic-Con back in 2016, um, one of the things that the fans have done at each of the San Diego Comic-Cons before there were cons was to do an urban meetup. And they planned it for the area that if you've ever been to the convention center, there's a nice like uh, little park area behind the convention center, some nice grass areas, trees, and it's very nice there on the water. Um, and they had planned an urban meetup there. And, you know, I mentioned to the cast and, and other folks as well that, you know, if they wanted to stop by, it was like shortly after their panel um, on whatever day that was, Saturday, uh, most likely. Um, not expecting anyone to be there, just an offer to make sure they were aware. And Melanie came out to the uh, meetup. And it's easily, I'm going to guess, at least a 10-minute walk, if not more, from the convention center to the area where it is. It's not far, but it's also not close. And it's pretty warm mm -hmm. in San Diego in July. Um, and she was dressed very nicely because she was going to some event afterwards. But she came out there to see everyone, which was wonderful. She could have walked up to the large group. There were maybe 70 people there milling around, talking and chatting. Uh, she could have come in and just waved and said hi and thank you, and everybody would have been able to move. Melanie literally, because I watched her do it, went up to every single inter individual person and introduced herself. 
Wow. Okay. One on, she made sure to do it. She walked around just to make sure I am Melanie. Thank you for watching the show. And what have you. Again, one of these examples that we've talked many times are just how special these folks are to do that. Right. She made sure every fan got a chance to say hi to her and that she knew who they were. You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of stuff we don't see normally when it comes to TV shows and fan interactions. Yeah, I remember Clexicon. Um, I had I was so nervous to see Emily because as a writer, Emily to me is like the creme de la creme. Mm-hmm. So to meet Emily is really, really hard. And we had a photo of uh, her cat and Dom and I literally blew past Emily like, I just went, okay, there's Emily, bye. And I just walked <laughs> past and I, I said, okay, I've got my little, you know, Winona travels and I'm going to do Winona interrupt us between, you know, way hot. And when I met her later and I was like standing to get the picture signed, I'm like, hi, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I like was rude to you. Like she had no idea what I was talking about because, you know, they were funneling so many people through. Yeah. This mm-hmm. was 2019 Claxicon. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so sorry I was rude to you. She's like, why? I'm like, because you intimidate me. She like <laughs> popped up and gave me the biggest hug. And she's like, I am not intimidating. I'm like, oh, yeah, you are. You're Emily friggin' Andrus. You are intimidating. <laughs> and she is just, just so nice and so sharp. Yeah. So funny. I mean, you've probably heard any of the interviews, too, that we've done. I mean, you've got to be ready for anything. And she has just... She's so nice, and she brings it across, and she brings it up, and she supports folks. That very first Clexicon, too, um, we were there, and we did a panel uh, about the show. And it was just a fan panel. There were like half a dozen of us on the panel talking about the show. Emily came to the panel. She periscoped it. Dom came for like the last 15, 20 minutes, sat in the back to listen in. And Emily, at one point, when we opened it up for questions, you know, and I'm standing here on the panel, and you say, anyone have a question? And you see a few hands go up. Emily's hand goes up. And she, there is video of it. I can probably share the link. um, Where she basically just asked, what can we do to help the fans? What can we do for you folks? Wow. It was like, uh, 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 what do you say? I mean, a showrunner that cares that much, um, it's a great example of who she is. And that's why so many of us, much like you said, give me, we'll just, whatever you need. What do you, you know, because she is just so amazing. So to be there for the fans and, and offer to do that, another great example. And there's so many of them of this cast and crew for what they do for us. Yeah, for me, the, the thing with Emily Andrus was the, at Acon, when, when she the did The writer's her, workshop. The writer's workshop. I'm not a writer. I, mm-hmm. I work in HRIS, so I'm more comfortable with computers, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm there because Kimberly wanted to attend that. And I just found myself, as she was going through the workshop, just taken in and actually getting interested in the whole process of what they do. Mm-hmm. She was that engaging. And I, you know, we went after that, we got her autograph. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't talk to stars. I'm like, here, here's your autograph. Can you just sign this picture, please? And then I'll go. But I found myself actually talking to her and telling her, you know, that was just the most amazing experience that I've ever had at a convention because I had no idea about writing. It wasn't even an interest to me at the time. And after that, after that workshop, I was just, I was blown away. Mm-hmm. So it, that was, that was all her. Yes, yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so, lucky enough to attend that writer's workshop of hers at uh, 
think it was Dragon Con. In the same way, I, mm. I have trouble putting together, you know, a written grocery list, let alone anything. <laughs> Distinctly, that's why I podcast. You know, you know give me a couple bullet points, I can go for an hour. You know, ask me right. to write the bullet points; it'll take me an hour. Um, <laughs> but um, so I wasn't. I mean, I such a big fan of Emily's, but I wasn't sure. Like, oh, this is gonna be an hour of me, like not knowing what. To, but just listening to her and the yeah. process and what's involved, and you know, brainstorming with some other writers in the room. I mean, that was such an electric thing, you know, in terms of an experience. Uh, it was wonderful uh, to see the things that just popped in her head when some people would bring up like scene ideas or story ideas and, and she would bounce something off it. You could just, you know, just see the way her brain works. It's it's really something to watch. Right. As so, a writer for me, though, what what I also loved was it reaffirmed a lot for me because there's a lot of things you know from experience of writing, but you, you start to lose confidence. And mm-hmm. she's just up there going, yeah, I went through that. Yep, you're going to go through that, and it's mm-hmm. okay. You just keep going because you know yourself best. I was like, you know, she doesn't have to say anything like that. She doesn't have to ask questions. You know, she doesn't mm-hmm. have to give opinions. And she just openly gave of herself for an entire hour and went through all of these questions, explained to people what they could do and how they could do it and what she would recommend. I mean, just like you giving us podcast advice, I'm not accustomed to that. You know, I'm not accustomed to people giving of themselves so freely. And so sometimes I have to take a step back and be like, wow, this moment in time, I don't think is ever going to be repeated as mm-hmm. easily as, as we seem to have been given it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, it's just something. I, I know for me, one of the things I was, little things that can make you very happy. In 2016, the very first uh, time the cast was at, uh, San Diego Comic Con, where they, when they did their panel, they actually announced the season two renewal, which was just mm-hmm. wonderful. But um, Emily was unable to be at that San Diego Comic Con because of some important family commitments. So she naturally, you could tell she was disappointed, but she was keeping up on all the tweets and things going on, interacting with the fans and stuff, which was great. And I remember that evening after the panel, um, obviously she was excited for the show, but you could tell personally she really would have wanted to be there. She could, obviously. Um, she put out a tweet, uh, I think that afternoon or something, that the things were going on, which was just a photo of her um, like holding up two fingers for season two, that excitement. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, there were like maybe a half dozen of us who happened to be sitting around a table having nachos or drinks or whatever it was. And we, you know, almost all of us were eyeing Twitter, as, as Erpris will do, and saw it. And so we all got together real quick, around the table and held up the same two mm-hmm. and then sent the tweet and tagged Emily because we wanted to let her know that we were thinking of her mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. that we, even though she physically couldn't be there, we wanted her to know we were only there because of her. Let's face it. That's where it all came from. But it was just nice to feel like you could do something for her because she's done so much for all of us, right. um, whether it's personal sharing of stuff or, or this wonderful gift that is Winona Earp. Um, because the reason that I was even, closely watching Winona Earp in terms of it coming along as a show was because, um, as I think many people know, she was a showrunner on Lost Girl for a couple of seasons. And I love that show. Big fan of that Great show. Great show. Great show. Excellent cast, too. I had the chance to talk to many of them. Um, and Emily went on a fan podcast that I listened to called Drinks at the Doll. Highly recommended, folks, if you're doing a Lost Girl rewatch or haven't watched it yet. Um, the ladies on that podcast do a great job. And Emily came on there as a guest for them. Um, 
And I still remember hearing that podcast for the first time because if you've heard Emily at all, you now know her. She's so engaging. She's so mm-hmm. funny. Um, she offers information about a show you wouldn't pick up with her. And I just remember listening going, this is someone that I want to be aware of whatever they're going to do in the future. You know, this mm. is probably someone I would greatly enjoy whatever they're working on. So that was foundational for me in terms of eventually just keeping a closer eye on where she went next and it being Winona Earp and, and going from there. So her willingness to step out and do stuff with the fans, I know for me, and I think many of us helped to create that uh, attachment we all feel to whatever she's working on. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, talking about Emily, just pulling it back a little bit, in season three, a character was actually named after you. And Anna Silk from Lost Girl played it. No less, right? So how did that come about? And like, how did you find out about it? And like, how do you feel about that? Oh, how long do we have? Um, <laughs> as much time as you need. That came out at... Uh, the Lost Girl panel at Clexicon that that year when a good amount of the Lost Girl cast was there along with Emily, Anna and Zoe and Rachel. And I think Emily were together on a panel and, and we were there at Clexicon again. And I was out in the audience as we're you know, a bunch of us herpers sitting around. Uh, actually, that panel was really, really full. I think I was actually sitting on the floor because uh, there wasn't a ton of space. And, um, you know, the panel's going on and they were talking to Anna, and she said, I have some news to share, and, and I'm going to be on one next season of Winona Earp. And everyone was just so excited and, and all of that. And my character's name is going to be Kevin. And I got to admit, to me, that didn't really register. Like, oh, oh, interesting. <laughs> I think there were like 10 or 15 friends in front of me who turned around and looked right at me. And I'm like, just putting my hands up going, I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. Um. And not long after that panel, I'm going through the dealer's area over towards where the autographs and such were. And who comes flying out of one other direction? But Emily. She's on her way to her autograph table. Uh, I hadn't seen her yet at the con. She stops, gives me a big hug, says, I have to run. But hey, I hope it's okay. I named a character after you and it's played by Anna Silk. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll let it go this time. But I was dumbfounded. I think uh, a couple of my friends, Kat, or a couple others who were there said, I just stood there with my mouth at job. Because what do you do? What, how, do you, right. how do you reply to that? I, I, I couldn't. I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just, uh, you know, so totally floored by it. Um, and she was so gracious in interviews she did talking about, you know, knowing that I'm one of the biggest fans of the Earp Sisters. You know, she she wanted to do that and also had to be Emily in that, you know, the character she named after me is someone who basically told him that one of them had to die. So, you know, there's a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a give and take there. So it's typical Emily. But, yeah, that was just I, I don't I don't totally have words. It's you know, it's pretty insane when you think about it. Well, I know you love the Arp sisters. And there was another show in the 90s that threw a sister upon us in later seasons. And I know we've discussed Buffy, and I'm so thankful that that Sheila has started to watch it. But I I have to ask, what was it about Buffy? Because I I know what's drawn you into Winona Earp, but what was it about Buffy that drew you in? And and what was your favorite episode? Because mine is Hush for obvious reasons. I mean, it was just a phenomenal episode. 
And don't worry about spoiling it for me because I'll just file it away until I actually watch the episode. She really won't remember until she watches. And okay, then she'll well, that's like, what oh I was going to ask is where, whereabouts <laughs> are you now, Sheila, in your viewing? Uh, I am season two, episode three. I finished episode Early three, season two. Okay. Yes. All right. Because, you know, I, I'm one of those folks who doesn't want to spoil anyone if they don't want to know. So, um, what? well, it's funny. What drew me to the show, I... Um, I didn't find Buffy when it originally aired. I was, and still am, uh, a fan of Firefly, another Joss Whedon property. Mm. Um, and what it did with a group of people, that was the first ever podcast I did was a Firefly podcast back in 2005 when the movie Serenity was coming out. And being around that fandom then, I saw a lot of folks who mentioned, hey, you should watch Buffy. And I had remembered hearing about it, but very honestly, when it aired around that time, was around the time I was working full-time and going to school for some computer training and certifications and other things. And we had two daughters. I just didn't have the time to keep up on a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. So some folks kept saying, no, if you enjoy you know, well-written shows, you should watch Buffy. And I remember thinking, like a lot of people will, the name's kind of weird. I'm not sure you know, if I'm going to want to watch it. But enough people that I trusted said I should. So I started watching it back in the days when Netflix only did discs by mail. Uh, before streaming so i would get the disc in the mail with four episodes watch it and enjoy it and i was very much digging it for the same reasons actually that i attached to to my own herb as much as i am an herb sister fan is is the found family aspect mm. um how important that is in life that you're not stuck with your blood can you can create a family that is the one that'll probably be the most important one going forward so that was the big part of what i was greatly enjoying with Buffy was that idea of the found family. And for me, the shows that over the years I've definitely gravitated to and, and many folks have fun with me cause they can rattle them off to me. It's usually, um, you're going to have definitely a found family situation and us against the world. Um, and usually female led. Mm. So, you know, Buffy one owner and, and some others are going to very much have that aspect to them. So I just started watching it and just getting a kind of humor. Um, I enjoy it. Can't be, movies so it has a lot of that feel certainly early <laughs> in the first couple of seasons very limited budget um right. so i was very much digging it and as far as the favorite episode uh and the pivotal turning point for me is going to be at the end of season two uh becoming part two and i won't totally spoil you sheila but anyone who's seen it is probably nodding right now you understand why uh, but after i watched that episode Literally, I got up from my TV screen, I went to my computer, and I purchased Buffy on DVD, a whole series, a hundred and some odd dollars it was at the time, because I knew I would be re-watching this show for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, wow. Some of the things that occur and that Kara goes through, and it just gets built on even more in the future seasons. But, yeah, it's that, um, you know, like I said, very much the found family and the idea of... of life ain't easy and sometimes you're put in really crappy situations can't win situations but you still have to go on you do the best you can in whatever that situation is and seeing that very much happen to Buffy uh, in the way it was presented on screen it really was was quite impactful on me so you know and yeah I'm someone who tends to just watch the series beginning to end 
wait a couple of months and then start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to buy them um, digitally because my DVDs, my season one was burned out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, one's warped. I got to get them digitally instead of trying to extract them. I'm like, I'm too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've come Would a long you? way for those of you now who can just uh, you know grab a Hulu subscription or buy them digitally. Yeah, we, had to, <laughs> we had to earn it with the DVDs a bit back in the day. But Do you remember when box sets were VHS? I remember paying a lot of money for some Star Trek original episode series myself when I was younger yep. for that reason, yeah. yeah. The original Letterbox Star Wars VHS. <laughs> we were so like, oh my God, it was like a Christmas present for my brothers and I because it was stupidly expensive, but it was the Letterbox, not formatted for yeah, TV. Yeah, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was right. huge. You want, you want that, yeah, that special. Yeah. But that makes it special. But yeah, that, but, the Buffy really has just done it, as you said, hush. There are probably three or four episodes in that series that are literally considered some of the best TV episodes of any show at any time. So there are yeah. some real seminal moments, characters, relationships. God, yeah, you could just go on and on and on. And, and so when, when Winona Earp came along and shared so many of those qualities, um, you know, it, it was just a natural fit there. And uh, it was wonderful, too, because I think it was Comic-Con 2017, 2018, maybe 2018. Um, I knew that Emily had mentioned here and there that Buffy was an influence uh, for her in terms of her career and, and some of the writing approaches. But she talked at that San Diego Comic-Con about how influential it was and how much it meant. And that was really for this guy as the big Buffy fan was just it was a bit emotionally overwhelming because it's like, yes, this is exactly what it is. And that's actually the day sound corny but that was the day that i knew after that that i was going to start and do a the buffy erper podcast looking at buffy from a bit of an mm. point of view because there is so much there are so many parallels and things that it was just a lot of fun another fun way to re-experience uh both shows one of the the first comparisons i always come to is the episode of buffy i think it was called family and mm -hmm. literally buffy says you know the father is screaming, you know, we're her blood kin, what are you? And Buffy turns around and goes, we're family. Yeah. And in Winona Earp, she turns around and says to Dominique or uh, Waverly and goes, we as, you know, we're the team, baby girl, we're, we're it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it, it's such an interesting parallel, but yet it, it just, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be babbling because I get goosebumps <laughs> when I think about it because yeah. it's just, it, it is so powerful and it, it really is needed you know, to, to let kids see that that can happen, that, you, like you said, you aren't stuck with the family you're born into. Mm -hmm. So I get goosebumps. I'm sorry. I think no, about those that, and I, don't, I don't think you're, that's been wonderful, too, for me over the years is reading several of the Buffy uh, books, not so much the novels, but the ones that look at the show and, and the things it's done. And, and let's face it, everybody's a fan of different things. Uh, and you can find, um, whether you want to say meanings or parallels or things there, but, you know, I, I take certainly with my daughters over the years, you know, when they walk in the TV room and within a few seconds, like, Oh, you know, you can see the eye roll. It's Buffy again. <laughs> <laughs> um, come on, dad. Shouldn't you be watching something more, you know, and, and I'll usually try to catch them with what some of the stuff means. And, and certainly when they were younger, you know, whoosh over the head, but as mm -hmm. they've gotten older to their credit, when I've talked about some of that stuff and that's usually what it is, is, you know, the, the found family aspect, the ability to find a way to find other people, who mean as much to you uh, as anything else in life will. It doesn't have to be romantic partnership. 
Uh, it can be just friends. And, and to find that and to realize that you can all go on a journey uh, together, uh, to find a show that can bring that across to you, um, yeah, uh, much like you came in, kind of babbling, and we'll just go in that direction. That it, it really means something. So it's been wonderful to see Earp be able to bring a lot of that back emotionally for me, because I have said many times, Buffy and Winona will be the two shows that can make me cry in certain situations. I, I I'll admit it. I can't hide it. I can't make like mm. a macho guy or whatever. That it's too meaningful. It hits the heart too much. Um, and both of them will be able to do that. And it's for that reason of what they do. Um, in a somewhat similar vein, as you know, any of you that have seen Buffy, without being spoilery, um, a lot of the great acting has to do with the cast members in, in emotional times, good or bad, and just the the looks they can give each other. Mm-hmm. The way that you can have someone in your life that you care about. And, and sometimes you don't have to exchange words. It can just be a look on a face. You know there's a problem. You know there's some good news. And then... Buffy does that so well so many times. I mean, we've talked about it in the Winona Earp podcasts, uh, the scene between Tim and Mel uh, when Winona was pregnant in the kitchen and Doc first found out uh, and he puts his hand on her belly or they have a they share a look. You, you, mm-hmm. I tell folks, turn down the sound. You don't need sound. You don't need subtitles. You just look in the faces of those two actors. They are brilliant getting across their feelings for each other. And that happens many times in Buffy, too. Uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's one of the ones that can see it there. But I know one of the things that made me the happiest was when we had Emily on in our season one, end of season one for the podcast. Uh, the season had finished airing. We had not heard anything from sci-fi. The show could have been a one and done. We didn't know yet. We were still all trying to make a lot of noise on Twitter and social media to get it to come back. But we had her on the podcast to talk about that season. And I was telling her that how much I loved the, the forehead kiss scene in that uh, season one finale, how much it meant mm-hmm. to me. It was just Buffy vibe just flowed through me. Um, and it was wonderful to have her bring up and mention how that scene was scripted with much more dialogue. That was the plan. But they, the more they looked at it and talked about it, both the actors and Emily, was you don't need it. They've The relationship that's been developed between the sisters, they can get across that they're both concerned for each other but have to go on different paths with just a simple look and a kiss, and they're off. Mm-hmm. And that cementing the relationship and showing that to us as the fans, like I said, was foundational to me, certainly for Earp and my love of the Earp sisters. But it, it was very much like a Buffy scene to me. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I can talk Buffy and Winona Earp for <laughs> hours. <laughs> but I, I do want to say, you know, uh, I am extremely grateful for you because when I had this little idea of a podcast that I was going to do on my own initially, I asked your advice because I've been listening to you. And you were so cordial with your time. And, and like I said before, you gave me an audio file that I subsequently lost because I'm that person. And I listened to it. I took it to heart. I did a lot of reading. And when I spoke to my wife, we decided, you know what, let's take a class. Let's learn what we're doing. And then you listened to, you've actually helped launch us. And you gave us more advice. And I do have that audio file. So I'm very proud of myself for still having that one. <laughs> you know, and I'm curious, though. You know, why did you actually start all the way back then deciding to do a podcast? And and why did you, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm babbling a little bit and I don't mean to, but it's like you've done so much. I'm curious as to where that impetus and where that came from to just jump into a field that at the time was still budding. 
Well, it's it's like a lot of the other things though that I've touched on, and I think many of the listeners have certainly seen it too. When you have something that you're passionate about, you will oftentimes be willing to try things in other circumstances you wouldn't go near because of your passion for something. And as I said, I had watched the TV show Firefly, adored it, thought it was wonderful. And back in 2005, I think this would have been, this is before social media, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Twitter. There were these things, folks, for those of you who are a little younger, called online forums. Yep. And that's yes, where you would have conversations. remember convers- that. Yep, you would have conversations. <laughs> and there was a Firefly-based one that I had been on and talked with other fans about the show. And one day, <clears throat> pardon me, not one day, I remembered it was 4th of July weekend. I saw a thread from someone saying, I want to start a podcast to talk about the show, you know, examine the show and talk about it. And I'm looking for other people who might be interested. And I remember thinking, at that point, I think I barely knew what a podcast was. I might have listened to one techie podcast. But I thought the idea that maybe working with some other fans to do something, hey, this sounds fun. Sure, put my name in the hat. I had no idea what it was. I really knew Mm. very little. And we ended up with 10 or 12 people from all around the world putting together this podcast idea. And as folks have heard over the years, I am, you know, very lucky, blessed to have a good do Mayor quotes radio voice? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you when, do. When we started changing, excuse me, exchanging ideas, of what each person was going to do. Well, I want to write an article. I want to do this. Um, they had all of us send in an audio file, and someone said, "Oh, you're the perfect voice for the news. <laughs> <laughs> you should do our news segment, and you should read our articles." And I was like, "Okay, sounds like fun." So that's how I kind of got started doing a podcast. And as I said, as that went. This was also the summer that the movie Serenity came out, so that podcast got pretty popular. Um, and it was just a great way to exchange feedback with other fans. It was, as I said, a very addicting to realize that I could find other fans. And through podcasting, you know, since I'm very much not a writer, I don't express my ideas very well in written form, that being able to talk about it like we are now was totally my comfort level. So that mm-hmm. idea that I could then continue, since I've been a lifelong fan of science fiction, movies, and shows, just seemed like a natural thing to kind of want to do from there. So it just took off, and I've been podcasting. I did a podcast about Firefly, uh, Farscape, wonderful epic science fiction show. Um, also did one for Legend of the Seeker, fantasy show. And a couple of the folks I had worked with on the Farscape podcast, uh, Brent and Wendy, We'd always been exchanging emails. We talked about a lot of the uh, genre shows. Uh, We said, you know, hey, maybe we should talk about these genre shows in general because we're fans of many of them. So rather than doing a specific podcast about a show, let's do a podcast about all of them. So we started Mm -hmm. the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast in 2008, going on 11 years now. And we just cover news on all of the different genre shows and then talk about a few of them as well. So shows come and shows go, but... We just enjoy them, so that's what we've been doing for, you know, many many years now. Just past our 500th episode not long ago. Wow! Congratulations. That's awesome. But the thing that we say with that one is that the reason why we do it is, even if we weren't doing a podcast, the three of us are such big fans of the stuff. We'd probably get on the phone or on Skype or whatever nowadays Zoom and mm-hmm. talk about it anyway. We just hit a record button <laughs> <laughs> and we share it a bit. So you know that's kind of what's developed there. Um, But what also kind of kept me very much going on the podcasting side was I also discovered, I mentioned a little earlier, the convention DragonCon. 
right mm-hmm. around that same time, 2005, and going to a convention with tens of thousands of other fans and feeling that physical energy, that, that kinship, that ability. Like I said, DragonCon is well known for being a very open and welcoming community, and there's a million things that are discussed there. So there'll be tons of people you will see or meet that have zero interest in Common View other than they're passionate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I've loved about that. So I got involved there, started talking on panels, and then moderating them. And I'm a guy who, back in high school days, I would take a markdown of a grade because I would not stand up in front of a class and talk. <laughs> Couldn't do it. I was terrified. But asked me that. to sit in my home in front of my computer and record audio. There's no one else here. Right, right. <laughs> oh, what do you mean thousands of people listen to it later on? Oh, my God. So, <laughs> But that was because I was now talking instead of about you know, English or math or science, I was talking about something I loved. Mm-hmm. And that has been a real growth thing for me over the years is the confidence level and ability to talk about these things uh, greatly helped me in, in business and relationships and everything because I found a passion and, and found I was pretty good at it. And it's been in just a great way as it grows. Because I've told some folks too, and Bonnie and I from the Black Badge have talked certainly about how to a certain degree, the, the Winona Earp and the Black Badge experience having become as popular as it is and, and been able to do so many amazing things with the cast and, and so forth. I spent about 13 years prepping to do it without knowing I was. Mm. Knowing how to podcast, how to promote a podcast, how to run it, how to do the technical side, having done some interviews with celebrities, some media calls with you know, Warehouse 13 folks, Continuum, Lost Girl, many others, so get more comfortable. So by the time the ERP experience came around, Bonnie and I just thought we'd have fun talking about the show, and then, oh my God, we've got all the cast members on, and we're moderating panels at conventions and so forth. I had spent years kind of getting ready to do that without knowing it. So when things mm-hmm. blew up in a good way, both in popularity and things we kind of wanted to do to help the fandom, I didn't know it, but I had been doing a lot of that on a much smaller scale for many years. So the opportunity hit with the timing, and it's been wonderful to see it take off. I love that. That's so great. You know, I mean, it's like a lot of other things I try to tell, certainly my daughters and many of us had to other folks. You never know when that opportunity or that special moment is going to come when you meet someone special or you get an amazing opportunity presented to you. Sometimes you can't plan for it. You have no idea who or why it's going to happen. So I was just chasing my passions, having fun. Uh, admittedly, you know, I get excited about a podcast or a convention thing over the years, and I want to tell my wife, and, and she's so open and willing to listen, so engaging and nodding. And then at the end, she go, oh, that's nice. So when do you make money doing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't. It's, you know, I just do it because I love doing it. So, but I was chasing a passion. It was something that gave me a distraction from, you know, the ups and downs of life and so forth. So. To get a chance then to have the ERP situation kind of take off and get a chance to be as interactive and help the show and, and be able to see so many fans come together and have us be able to do a part of that because we developed such a relationship because we knew what we were doing and we could respect the cast and some other things. That has just been so gratifying to see it happen because it's not us. As Bonnie and I say sometimes, we're just the folks nodding. We hit the record button. Mm-hmm. Sure, we've gotten pretty good at it. But it's more the people, it's the fans, how special they've been, it's the cast, it's bringing those things together and being able to be a bit of a conduit 
to help or to see it take off or like doing the um, whiskey and donuts hangouts that we started to do back in season one, Mm -hmm. Um, the video hangouts um, back then, just, you know, watching how we interact with the cast and the fans were on Twitter. It, it, you know, it was a bummer at at the end of the episode because it was over and we didn't want it to be over. So I made the suggestion to Bonnie, Hey, they got these services. You can do video and we can host it and bring fans on. And that just exploded when we started doing that. And the cast popped in many weeks. We had cast members, individuals, or even the group of them when they went together, pop in to wave to the fans. So the ability to interact with them and, and have folks see our faces, um, it gave the fans a conduit, as so many of them have said, you know, hey, maybe I don't get a chance to, to, to go to the convention or to moderate a panel or whatever. But seeing other fans get to do it, knowing that we're not just professionals, this isn't us doing something for the corporate approach. Um, has really made them feel that the experience becomes more special because it's it, they see us as a bit of the uh, the representative for them, and that's been right. wonderful to hear. Yeah, I actually can't wait until we're back in the groove of things where we can see our friends and really engage again and and share that that common passion. And when Ona Herb can finish filming, <laughs> <laughs> that's too. I'm just going to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. No, and and that's. Yeah, I, I very honestly, personally, I'm trying not to think too hard about that because the conventions, especially the Europe ones, have become such a special part of my life. Um, to be without them now for many months is is a bit sad, but it's like any other thing. We have no choice, so we're all going to roll and do the best we can. But, uh, yeah, here's hoping we get those first six episodes that they filmed sometime this summer. That would be wonderful to at least have yeah, some Herb. Yeah, it's been way too long without erping. Wait, I mean the whole the whole fight and everything that went on there. Folks need it. Yeah, they need it. You you really can. I I gotta really give props to you for that because I was following your Twitter and Bonnie's Twitter to go. Okay, what am I doing next? What do we need to do? What's the call of action? (laughs) So, thank you for that. It's been interesting too because um, I I've talked to some folks who've done um, dissertations and other things for. Uh, examining fan campaigns and some other things and you know taking a look at a few other fan campaigns to save shows or do other things with them it's been interesting because this is where the erpers not just bonnie and i or bridget even though we've kind of been visual touchstones for many folks the fans rallied together right away to be able to have an impact unfortunately Mm -hmm. oftentimes these other situations where there are shows that either get canceled or need to try to get some push to get uh, the ability to get renewed or whatever. You have different factions of the fandom where some folks are known in this circle and not in that one or whatever. The Erpers kind of were very much all working together. Um, mm-hmm. And it was great that, you know, like I said, Bonnie and Bridge and I have known each other since before the show started. And with a good amount of followers for each of us, it was easier when we came to do something to say, okay, this is something we need to do. And, and enough of the fans saw that and then jumped in full bore. Um, and that is something that has certainly been looked at and talked about in some of the other circles is that ability for the ERPers to work together towards a common goal. That is very unique. Uh, No disrespect to other fandom campaigns that eventually may have succeeded, but that was always the hardest part sometimes was bringing the different groups um, together. And the ERPers were able to do it like, you know, the morning after Mm -hmm. (laughs) Emily put out her, her, you know, don't F with my family tweet um, that everybody was just, you know, what do I need to do? What do I, where do I go? And then being able to work together and share information and get some insights from some of our contacts we've developed and, and 
the ARPAs, man, they just absolutely amazing. I mean, that, that doesn't happen without everyone's involvement. It doesn't happen without someone deciding to do a billboard uh, on their own and then other right. ARPAs jumping on it, uh, the digital billboards and, and the folks, the ARPAs in New York City going out to document all of these and the snow and the rain and the cold. Um, again, all the whole circle, the whole part of it is what made that happen. We were just lucky to play a, a, a part of it, but you can't take credit for that because that is something that had built over the years of everybody realizing we had something very special here and it was going to get ripped away from us unless we really got on our horse and, and started going fast. Um, that, that, you know, that was wonderful to see in terms of the fandom and what they did, but certainly not something I want to go through again. So, <laughs> right. So, so we're actually going to switch gears a little bit now. Again. Again. <laughs> and we're going to have our Forever Fangirls quiz. So Uh-oh. these are going to be five rapid-fire questions unrelated to the interview that we ask our guests, and you can give us the first answer that comes to mind. So, Kevin, are you ready to play? Probably not, but go ahead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. These, these, are, these are fun questions. So, um, okay. First question. What is the first thing you ever find Boyd about? Probably would have been Star Trek, the original series. Okay. Used to I watch like it, the original series. Used to watch it after school when it was in reruns on a UHF channel when I was at home there. That was something I was a big fan of. Number two, what are you currently fanboying about? Well, obviously, ERP is number one. Um, again, I do tend to be a big fan of... Uh, TV shows, so, you know, I've been greatly enjoying Legends of Tomorrow that just finished up a season, absolutely loving mm. Katie Lotz and that crazy crew. Um, being the Star Wars folks, as I, I mean, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the, the Mandalorian has been an amazing experience in the last year oh, or yeah. so. Great series. Yes. Um, so, you know, and, and always, you know, looking for anything that might be out there that uh, doesn't get enough discussion going always looking for some other ideas so it's just you know always looking for science fiction and fantasy shows that i i can enjoy and i love that discovery aspect of things okay all right question number three best superpower to have (laughs) (laughs) i'm laughing because this has come up several times in our herp interviews oftentimes when we'll solicit questions from fans um for the cast, that's that's one that they love to ask, and, and the okay. cast sometimes like to have fun with. So uh, I've got uh, I've I've been able to be on the other side of the mic for that several times, <laughs> and hear some answers. Um, and there are some wonderful answers for which one might make that. I mean, since I am a little older, I certainly would would love to have back uh, more time to be continuing to enjoy some of the wonderful folks I've met over the years. So if I, if I could have some time travel abilities, I would love to go back in time to re-experience mm-hmm. or to get a chance to witness some of these amazing things that uh, we only get to read about. I'm sure I know the answer to this one, but what is your favorite genre to watch or read? <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, my father took me to see 2001 A Space Odyssey, and I was so blown away. I didn't understand the movie, probably still don't today, but the visuals and the idea of science fiction and all these other things from that movie, really, that keyed me into science fiction ever since. Mm-hmm. Never was a big reader, except maybe Stephen King. I've always enjoyed Stephen King books, but um, 
yeah, TV and movies always grabbed me. That was something I loved to spend time doing was finding a show or movie that had to do with science fiction or fantasy. I just, I love that idea of disappearing into another world. Mm. All right. So final question. What is your guilty pleasure? I think I touched on earlier, um, along with being a fan of science fiction and fantasy, the guilty pleasure side of it is I love me a bad movie, and especially in the sci-fi <laughs> chin. Uh, you know, the, the mystery science theater 3000 approach. Yep. Um, I actually had the pleasure of hosting for several years uh, what we call the sci-fi drive-in at Dragon Con. We, myself and Joe Crow, who run who runs the American Sci-Fi Classics track, we would host an event where we play a bad movie and do our own MST3K. Um, so, yeah, I, and I did a podcast for many years called the Saturday B Movie Reel, where I looked at many of the Sci-Fi Channel's original movies, which were very campy, and other B movies. So I, I, I love a movie that most folks will just roll their eyes and say, <laughs> why would you waste your time? And for me, it is just a treasure trove of getting to go back and, a look at what might have gone wrong or why that movie ended up so much worse than it could have been. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's, that's a cool answer. Yeah. I, I, the first movie that came into my head was, Oh yeah, I totally love the original Buffy. But, but quality wise, Buffy is pretty good. It holds up actually. Okay. Compared to, to some of the other schlock that's out there. If you start digging a little bit on some of these things, um, Watch yeah, out, there's, there's a few I had in my collection, and I'd be like, oh, look, you can totally see his rubber suit is falling off. <laughs> and again, that's where Buffy and Winona have the same lineage in that they don't have a big budget. And, mm-hmm. you know, yep. sometimes it's all about, in some of these B-movies I talk about, you, yeah, the, the rubber suit is there. But you can sometimes pull out a gem and, and pull something that really uh, can have lasting power. I mean, have, have either of you, are either of you familiar with the film Night of the Comet. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Same goes for you folks listening here. If you have not seen it, this is a 1984 film. Uh, low budget. Stars Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney. Um, Catherine Mary Stewart, very honestly, was my celebrity crush in the 1980s. Um, Canadian actress. Uh, it's a film about two essentially valley girls, if you will. Uh, and there's a comet that passes and... 98% of the world is killed and a single night disappears. And they have to try to deal with what goes on afterwards. It's campy. It's a comedy. It's a science fiction film. But it was important for me because aside from having a crush on both of the stars, it was a case of where you had a film in the 1980s with two female leads taking mm. care of business, kicking butt when necessary, and also looking at the future. Um and actually, in that film, Kelly Maroney, the younger sister, um, is a cheerleader. And Joss Whedon has mentioned that her character was instrumental in his creation of Buffy. So it's wow. interesting that it's a film I greatly enjoy. Uh, I can't talk it up enough. Um, it, it holds up okay, but again, it is 35 years old. Um, but it, it's it's certainly an, an excellent one of the time. Again, as I mentioned earlier, too, the female lead side of it certainly caught my attention and and before Winona Earp my biggest if you will fandom item that that excited me the most is I got an opportunity to moderate a panel with Kelly and Kathy uh, oh, at wow. a convention and actually go to a screening at an old style classic theater uh, where they uh, did a Q&A and I was able to host that Q&A uh, and that was very exciting for me at the time <laughs> it still is and um, 
I also, after that um, event that evening, when we went back to the hotel, the three of us just sat down at the local uh, the bar there in the hotel and just started talking. And, you know, I ended up talking about life and children and careers and some other things that had nothing to do with the film or science fiction at all. Uh, and it was one of those first times for me, um, as some of us will certainly have in life, where at one point during that wonderful conversation for, for an hour or two, um, there was a point where I actually sat back and said, wow, if, if 24-year-old 24 me could have ever thought that I would be sitting here with these two classy ladies talking about life in general after just watching them in a film, you know, it's it shows you where eventually things can go even when you have no idea what the plan is to get there. Right. Well, that's really awesome. You have the best stories. <laughs> <laughs> I could just sit and listen to you tell me like all of your stories. <laughs> I, you know, experience is a great teacher and I've been able to, to have, you know, a lot of fun over the years. And, and again, thanks to chasing a passion and nothing to do with a career uh, that way. It's just been something that's just been a passion of mine. And that's why I'm so excited to see the two of you going on this journey uh, to see other folks be willing to take the leap um, and, and to hear your episode so far and to hear you talking about things and how exciting it was when you brought up Buffy and Sheila, you said you'd give it a go. <laughs> uh, I was like doing a fist pump that like, yes, you're going to watch it. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. So, but I mean, that idea of chasing something that you enjoy and giving it a shot, I mean, that's what we all want. I mean, we all have commitments and real life things we need to do to pay the bills and so forth. But to see other folks be willing to chase a dream or chase a passion, if I can help in any way, God, that, that really makes me happy. You have no idea how much you helped us. Seriously, there's no words to express how much your advice helped us. Yeah, and I just say thank you, thank you, thank you very much for, for everything that you, you've you done and continue to do for us. It's, it's really amazing. Hey, I'm having a blast doing it too, so my pleasure. So then, um, as we're coming up to the end of our time here, um, tell us, Kevin, what's coming up on the tales of the black badge and tuning into sci-fi tv and where can people find you oh sure yeah well um you know we're all waiting if you're herpers waiting to hear any news hopefully that we get a season four air date we'll, we'll mm -hmm. kick it into major gear if we do uh as always covering the episodes and hopefully talking to some of the cast again uh in the meantime bonnie and i have fun covering other topics speculating we've released episodes in the last uh, month or so looking at uh, peacemaker and some theories on how it works and the colors and what it means Mm. we've been picking some of our favorite episodes from each of the seasons so yeah we've uh, on Tales of the Black Badge we're up to about 180 episodes in about four years so we, we stay very active there even in between seasons um, and tuning into Sci-Fi TV again we usually do about every week uh, sometimes take a little break here or there covering the news of what's happening with genre shows and talk about a few of them um, with time codes to let folks avoid spoilers almost every week and we, we have all those podcasts uh, both of them available from the tuning it to sci-fi tv.com website or your podcast player of choice I love podcast player of choice there are so many out there now there are a million uh, there's no doubt about that that has been <laughs> one challenge over the years is when someone says oh it sounds like something interesting how do i listen well okay well let's go <laughs> <laughs> and for years and years it was on the computer and uh Latest stats now show, I think, close to 88% of folks listen on their smartphones. So it's using an app. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on our little show and, and 
Sharing all your stories, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> and spending this time with us. I Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Oh, uh, really. I've had just as much fun as you folks have, so appreciate having the chance to do it. I'm going to have to bring you back when she's done with Buffy so we can all just talk all in Buffy. Yeah, and as I've mentioned, I think on Twitter, too, you, you're going to have to keep us updated, especially in season two. That's one of my favorite seasons, so I'm looking forward to Hearing stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to, I'm taking notes. <laughs> she has promised me that we will do a season one, season two podcast. So. Ah, all right. Well, I will be looking forward to that one the moment it comes out. Thanks again to Kevin Batchelder for coming onto the show and being so generous with his time. That was so much fun. It really was. Kevin really has the most amazing stories. Yes, he does. And I especially like the comment about how the shows, like Buffy and Winona, have the element of found families. Like Lilo and Stitch? Yes. Or Hannah means family. Yes, absolutely. Just like Lilo and Stitch. I could recite that like whole film. Yes, I know you can. I'm going to stop now. Yes, you should. Okay. Because this is not a Lilo and Stitch episode. But anyway. um, In real life, you know, we, we have extended our family because we have found so many new family members from conventions yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah themes run rampant and it's it's definitely a very special feeling to know that when you go to a convention you meet people and and they have your common interests and then they become these like extensions of you it's very very special yes but i just really can't wait till kevin comes back on the show so we can discuss like Buffy season one, season two. I know you've watched more. So whatever we're caught up to, I really need that. Yes. And and as I said, I have notes. But we'll have to figure out the scheduling since Winona Earp season four is premiering Sunday, July 26th. And I have to rewatch the last two episodes of season three to prep. Yeah, I know uh, Kevin and Bonnie are going to be extremely busy on Tales of the Black Badge podcast covering everything. If you have not heard of that podcast or have not listened to any of the recaps, we will be putting the link to it in our show notes page. You should be finding them wherever you listen to podcasts. You need to tune in. They've got great interviews, great coverage and, and lists. And it's just very comprehensive. If you're a Winona Earp fan, you need that podcast. Yes. And that will give me time to prepare. You realize if you haven't seen like the end of it again, we're still watching it live, right? Yeah. Okay, just checking. Anyway. I just want to make sure I understand this. Yes. Well, you know what? It's fine. Okay, so that is our show for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us. If you like listening to our podcast and you're listening on a mobile device, just hit that little subscribe button. And if you're on something else, just, you know, there's something, a subscribe button somewhere, right? Somewhere, yeah. Somewhere. It's all there. And if you do have a moment, please leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, how we can get better. It's up to you. Yes. And so until next time, stay safe. Be kind and remember... Don't be a revenant. I had to do that. Really... I know, because the revenants are gone. My God. You know, you just blew up my spot. No, I didn't. Yes. Anyway. I didn't. Your spot's still on the chair. You're fine. (sighs) Anyway, stay safe. Everybody be kind. And remember, love always wins. Ciao.